so wonderful to see you here this morning. God gave us a beautiful day, amen, to be in his house and to worship him. Again, I want you, if you would, to turn with me in your Bibles to James chapter 4. James chapter 4, let's read verses 13 through 15. Go to now, ye that say, today or tomorrow, we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even as a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. For that ye ought to say, if the Lord will... We shall live and do this or that. I know that you've all heard that scripture before in that passage. It's a sobering thought. It's a wonderful thought when you think of it. And we need to be reminded a lot of times about things we already know. How many of you need to be reminded of things that you already know? (laughs) Over and over and over and over and over again until we go to heaven. There's going to be a need for us to be reminded. You might instantly say, I've heard five sermons on that passage. And you might dial it out. But don't dial it out because the Lord has this for us this morning. Amen. And we're always being put in remembrance. I am, you are, and we're doing it for each other. Stirring ourselves up in remembrance to be stirred up, to be provoked not only to, to know what God's will is in light of this scripture, okay, but to actively be doing what God has called us to do in this hour with the limited time that we have here on this earth. One of the lines in that song we sang, and I didn't know, uh, know that we were really singing it this morning, but the song, uh, Take My Time Here on This Earth, and let it glorify you all that you are worth. I actually pray that for myself. I don't know that I always fulfilled that, but I do pray it. Lord, take whatever time I have on this earth, and I always say, Lord, bring it yourself as much glory as you possibly can through this life, however you choose to do it. And, and let it glorify you all that you're worth. Amen. And so here's the thought for this morning that the Lord has for us. And this is a little prayer that I jotted down when I was praying this week. Lord, help us not to put off till tomorrow what you've called us to do today. It's a simple thought. Lord, help us not to put off till, until tomorrow what you have called us to do today. Help us to live in light of eternity. Help us not to live as though we have, quote, all the time in the world. Help us not to live that way. Because we don't. We don't have all the time in the world. There was uh, a wife, I was listening to like a little podcast, actually reading a little thing uh, this week. I don't know the individual, but there's a Jewish couple, and she was recounting uh, a, a story or a, a, an account about her husband recently. And they were Jewish. They were real excited because in October they were going on their first trip. to. They live here in the U.S. They were planning their first trip to go to Israel. They were excited about going to see it. And her, her husband was doing his favorite pastime, which was playing golf with his friends and uh, had a little leisure time, and that's what he always did. And he dropped dead on the golf course. And his friends came running up to him when they saw him fall there. In the last few seconds of his life, he just kept repeating over and over. They said he kept repeating, I thought I had more time. 
I thought I had more time. We always think we have more time until we don't. We think we have more time until we don't have more time. We always think we do. It's, it's, a, it's a deception. I know I've done this before, but uh, you wake up in the middle of the night and you look at the clock. You got to get up early that morning, but you say, you got to get up at 5.30 and look at the alarm clock and it says 3.30 and you said, all right, I got two more hours to sleep. And you think, wait a minute, that light was blinking. That light was flashing. What does that mean? It means the power went off in the night. What time is it? And you scramble and look at your phone. It's already seven. I'm late, right? I thought I had more time. It's probably been uttered, that same statement had said or thought by everybody on this planet. The first day you drop your kids off to kindergarten and they're not under your feet all the time, every second, and they're going to be gone all day in the school and you're driving away and you said, I thought I had more time. I remember doing this myself, but Dee and I bringing William up to Louisiana College where he in, in Pineville and he was moving into the dorm and you know we're bringing all of his stuff and books and computers and laundry detergent and all this stuff and he's moving in the, the dorm up there where he's going to spend the next three years and you finally get him settled in and packed in and you turn and walk back to the car and you're thinking where'd the time go I, I thought I had more time I'm dropping him off at college in a town two hours away we always think we have more time until we don't. You know, the average lifespan in the U.S. is 79 years old. So I'm not going to ask anybody their ages. You know what age you are. If you're 45, you're well than, more than half the way of that. You might live longer than that. It's not saying. It's just the average lifespan. Thought I had more time. We thought we had more time until we didn't have more time. And so this message this morning is, is for an, a stirring up, a provoking, that we would live in such a way that we don't have any unfinished business when we see the Lord face to face. That's all this is. There's one thought. It's very simple this morning. Live in light of eternity, but live in light of eternity today. Start today living in light of eternity that certainly is to come. I don't want to have any unfinished business in my life. I look back and I say, my, my time before I came to Christ, you know, if people say I have no regrets, well, hallelujah, if they don't, I have a lot of regrets. <laughs> I have a lot of regrets of how I spent the first 21 years of my life or so, not doing anything for the Lord and walking with the Lord. But I can't do anything about those years except ask God to forgive me, but I can do everything about the years that lie ahead the days that lie ahead and the weeks and months and hours that lie ahead to where I'm living for the glory of God and making the best use of my time. And the best use of my time is to live for God and for eternity. I don't want to have anything left undone that God wanted me to do that should have been done. I don't want to live and have regrets at the end of my life. Now, by the blood of Jesus, we can be forgiven of things that we should have, could have, would have done. But we don't have to keep living that way. We can live in such a way that with our time, we're honoring the Lord. And so a lot of this is a prayer that just from us, as I was praying to the Lord this week, help us, help me, Lord, help us to be about our Father's business, not our own business. Help us to be about our Father's business, not our own business. 
Help us to be eternally minded. Help us to be spiritually minded. Help us to be Christ-minded. And those three go together, by the way. Eternally minded, Christ-minded, spiritually minded. They go together. They're all in one, wrapped up in one. Paul said, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. Why do we look at the things that are not seen and not at the things that are seen? Everybody else is looking at the things that are seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things that are not seen are eternal. I need to be looking at the things that are eternal, and those are the things that are not seen. I want you to turn with me in your Bibles and read a scripture. It's an encouraging scripture. This is not to be a discouraging or depressing sermon. First Corinthians chapter 15. Who knows what that chapter talks about? Especially the last half of this chapter talks about our glorified bodies we're going to receive. And it speaks of the rapture of the church. So I want you to read just two verses today. We're going to read 1 Corinthians 15, 51 and 52. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, speaking of Christians, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. At the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. First Thessalonians, Paul speaks of the same events, the rapture of the church. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. What is that event? That event is obviously the rapture of the church. And I want to talk about it for just a moment. That, that event, it's a glorious event that we look forward to. When it takes place, it's going to take place suddenly. That's part of the characteristic of the rapture. I said it Wednesday night in church when we were talking about Elijah's translation that the, the word rapture is not found in the Bible. It doesn't mean it's not taught in the Bible. The Greek word is harpezo, and it's used in these passages that I read, and it means to catch away or to snatch away suddenly. Okay? Suddenly. The event itself, when it takes place, is going to be quick. Paul said in 1 Corinthians, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. Now, I know that you've heard this before. He doesn't say a blink of an eye. That's pretty quick, too. I don't know how fast that is, a blink of an eye. But this is quicker than a blink of an eye. It's a twinkling of an eye. It's the, it's the, it's the reflection of light off of the eye and how quick that would be. Just the light glinting off the eye, so to speak. That's how fast the, the event's going to take place. It's going to be quick when it happens. It's going to be sudden. But what Lord, the Lord wants us to know this morning, it's also is going to be soon. The event itself is going to be in a quick event. Okay? But it's also going to be soon. The time is near. The time is drawing near. You say, well, they look for the rapture in their day, in the apostles' day, and they did. We're 2,000 years closer, right? So it is near. It is near. They were looking for the rapture in their day. Not only we say, okay, well, okay, I know it's going to be quick. I know it's a twinkling of an eye, but it's a long time away. I don't, I don't see that happening. Wake up, okay? Wake up. It's not only going to be quick when it happens. It's going to happen soon. It's going to be sudden, but it's going to be soon. And God's people, regardless of what you think about what I say, God's word says that we're to be looking for the rapture, okay? 
Titus 2, 11 through 13 says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation to all men, uh, bringeth salvation has appeared unto all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live, should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. That appearing and that, that blessed hope of the church is the rapture, and we're told to live a certain way, soberly, righteously, godly. When? Where? Now, in this present world. Why? Because, and how do we do it? We do it by looking for the blessed hope of the church, the rapture of the church. We don't think about it enough. I don't. I know it in the back of my mind. That's why I said this is a message to stir us up, to bring these things that we already know to our remembrance. We're told, we're told to live with a looking and a joyful, hopeful expectation to hope for it. The Bible says it's a time when our vile bodies shall be changed. Amen? And we're to look for it when? We're to look for it not when it happens. We're to look every day for it before it happens. We're to be looking for the rapture of the church in our day, in this day, today. Now, the second coming of Christ, mentioned this in Sunday school just briefly, the second coming of Christ cannot happen today. What are you, some kind of prophet to say that? Who, who are you to say that the Lord can't come back today? He's told us in his word he can't come back to set up his millennial kingdom until some other things happen first. Okay? So I'm not looking for him riding on a white horse, coming back with a name written on his vesture and so forth on his thigh, faithful and true and king of kings and lord of lords, and a sharp two-edged sword coming out of his mouth at the battle of Armageddon to destroy... Uh, Antichrist and all those that are gathered against Jerusalem to destroy it. I'm not looking for that today. It can't happen today. It can't happen tomorrow. That doesn't mean something glorious and wonderful can't happen today. The rapture can happen today. And there's two, there are events that are separated by at least seven years period of time. And so uh, we're, we're not looking for the second coming of Christ. We are looking for the rapture of the church because that the, the second coming could not happen today but the rapture most certainly could happen today. You'll understand that. I know that you know these things. Y'all could teach what I'm teaching this morning. There's nothing biblically preventing the rapture from taking place today. Biblically, you can't find one scripture and flip through from Genesis to Revelation. So no one has to say, here's why the rapture couldn't happen today. Such and such has to happen first. Nothing has to happen first. Nothing. That's why it's the blessed hope of the church. That's why the apostles in the early church were told to look for it. That's why we're talking about it this morning. And we're reminded in the scriptures to look for the rapture. Okay, that blessed hope. There's nothing biblically preventing the rapture from occurring today. The word that we use for the rapture is imminent. Imminent. What does imminent mean? It means about to happen. It means immediate. It means impending. And the rapture is impending. The rapture is about to happen. It has not happened yet. When it happens, it's going to happen quick. But it also could happen soon. We know it's going to happen. We know, like I said, we're 2,000 years closer than Paul was when he wrote this. We know it has to come before, uh, before the second coming of Christ. I believe it has to come before the, the, uh, the tribulation period begins, which is exactly seven years. So there are things we're looking for the rapture. And that is what the believers are looking for. And we need to live with that. Think about it. You could be literally driving off today when church is over, heading to go eat or whatever. One moment you're driving 
and going down South Harold's Ferry, and the next moment you're in the presence of the Lord. That is going to happen. And I'm not a prophet to tell you that. The Bible said that is going to happen. That could happen today. And I want to live in such a way that I'm making the most of my time for Christ on this earth, doing what he's called me to do while I'm on the earth. God has determined, you ever thought about this? I don't think about it a lot, but God has determined a specific number of days for your life and for my life. There's an exact number of days, and I'm glad we don't know it, okay? He knows in heaven. He knows there's an exact number of days that he has set. The days of our year, of years, Moses said, are three score. That's 60 and 10. That's 70. If by reason of strength they be four score years, yet is their strength labor and sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fly away. If you live 70 years, maybe you're strong, you live 80 years, okay? People some live longer than that as well, but nobody's living forever in this body on this earth, okay? So teach us. This was the culmination of Moses' thought and the Lord's thought that he wrote through Moses in Psalm 90. So teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Amen? Just brings wisdom right back into it. Okay, I've only got a certain number of days. I need to do what God's called me to do. You only have a certain number of days in your life and I do as well, use them all for the glory of God. Use every one of them for the glory of God. That doesn't mean you don't study and have ho-hum days, go to work or whatever, school, and it just seems like an average day. You can still do whatsoever you do for the glory of God. The Bible tells us that. Amen? And so this, there's, there's nothing preventing the rapture. And I need to live in such a way that that reality affects my life today. That reality affects my life today. And I believe it's a deception and a delusion, and I think we can all slip into it. I believe we can all slip into it, and here's the delusion. We think that we have all the time in the world. We think we have all this time. We know what's right. We've got it all in our, processed in our minds properly, and yet... We just think we have all this time to get around to it at some point. William was telling me, uh, I just talked to him a few days ago, in his youth group, they had a, uh, a man come, um, a speaker come speak to their youth, and he was, he fought, and he was a Marine who fought in the Vietnam War. And he talked about his, his uh, boot camp. He talked about his training. And he said that the first few days and weeks of boot camp, this drill sergeant was just the meanest uh, just he never he just screamed he just screamed at him they were scared they he, he's in booming at him and it was during the Vietnam War and they're preparing to go over there okay and so he's in boot camp and they said about halfway through boot camp he just came and sat down with them one time and said sit down he was totally different he said the first time they ever heard him talk in a normal voice without screaming he just began to talk to him and he says y'all things have been guys things have been moved up Tonight you're packing up your gear. Tomorrow morning you're getting in the plane. You're going to Vietnam to fight. And he said, you could have heard a pin drop. Because they kept thinking, we thought we had more time. We thought we had more time to get ready for this. And he pulled out a Newsweek magazine. I think it was a Newsweek magazine. He just started showing them in the back. 
I don't remember this. I was young at that time in the Vietnam War, but there was uh, one of the magazines, I think it was Newsweek, used to put weekly the casualties from the Vietnam War. He started reading them off to him. And he goes, this guy was in our, under my command. This guy was in boot camp here. He's reading off their names to him. And he, he ended up telling them afterwards, he said, this was a false alarm. But he got their attention. He said, you're getting lax. You're getting lazy. You're not paying attention. This is a reality. You're going there. And you might not be coming back from there. I'm trying to get you ready for that. You hate me screaming or whatever. You are going. It's impending, right? It's about to happen. You're going. There's not getting out of it. And I'm trying to prepare you for it. And they, they straightened up and they began to listen. But we think, as a delusion, I think as believers, I know I can fall into it and have fallen into it before, to think we're going to have all this time to serve God later. I'll have time to get that sin out of my heart later. I'll have time to fulfill my commitment to Christ. I'm talking to Christians right now, later. I'll do that later. I'll do that tomorrow. I'll do that next month. I can start doing that anytime. I can start witnessing to my classmates anytime. They know I'm a Christian, and I really don't think they are Christians, but I got lots of time to start doing that. I can do that later. I'll have time to start giving to the things of God later. It's a delusion. I'll tell you why it's a delusion, because nowhere in this Bible, nowhere in the Scriptures does it tell me to procrastinate. Nowhere in the Bible does it tell you or me or any other pert child of God to put off or delay doing the will of God. You're not going to find it. You're not told in the, in the Bible to put that off, doing the will of God to a later date. Put off your obedience to Christ to a different date. Nowhere in the Bible are we told to assume that we have plenty of time. We don't. If you're lost, this is the only, only word to the lost this morning. If you're not saved, the Bible says now is the time of salvation. For as in the days of no, that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and knew not until the flood came and took them away. Eating, just business as usual. That's the description. They're marrying, giving in marriage, eating and drinking. And the day until Noah knew, and Noah was preaching it. And Noah and his family entered in the ark, and the Lord Almighty himself closed the door and closed them in. And then they knew when the flood came. To the day that the flood came, they didn't know. They didn't believe. They didn't consider it. Jesus gives another example in the New Testament in Luke there's a rich farmer. He's rich because he had a bumper crop that year, and it was unbelievably good. And he says, I got so much goods. What am I going to do? I'm going I'm to tear down these little barns. I'm going to build bigger barns. I'll st store up all my grain in there, and then I'll say to my soul, soul, thou hast much goods for many days. Take thine ease. Eat, drink, and be merry. And Jesus said of him, I'm not saying it. I agree with the Lord. Jesus said, thou fool. This night thy soul shall be required of thee. 
then who shall those things be which you have stored up for yourself? Okay? Who's going to get them? You're not. Your soul is going to be required of you. So that's my word for the lost. I want to get back to speaking to the church. If you're saved, now is the time to abide in Christ. Now is the time to serve the Lord. Today, while it's called today, it says in Hebrews three times, and it's repeated from the Psalms, while it's called today, don't harden your hearts to the deceitfulness of sin. Today, while it's called today, hear the voice of the Holy Ghost. Okay? And what? not some other time, today. Today is today, right? God wants us to wake up. Sometimes it's as though God's people, and I include myself in this, God's people are in a haze. We're in this thick fog, and we're not thinking clearly. We're Christians. We believe it all. We're not thinking clearly, and therefore, because we're not thinking clearly, we're not living clearly, I would say. We're not living with a sense of purpose. We're not living with a sense of urgency that Christ has called us to. It seems distant. It seems far away. It seems like it's through a haze somewhere. And Christ has called us to live, and he's called us to live for him now and to serve him now. It's like we have a fog, and, and I was thinking, you Lord, you know what we need, what I need? We need like a strong wind. You know how a strong wind can come and blow the fog out? And he said, oh, now I see. Everything was there all the time. You just couldn't see it clearly. We need the Holy Ghost to come like a strong wind and just blow out all the fog and all the haze to where I can see clearly. It caused me to see rightly and think rightly and hope rightly and, and live rightly. Amen? We believe it all. I think this is the, the, the deception part comes. We believe it all. You could teach the same lesson or preach the same sermon that I am. We believe it all. We know it's all true. That all about the rapture and could meet the Lord any time. And we're thoroughly convinced of how a child of God should live their lives. But for some reason, we're not doing it. We're delaying it. We're not opposed to it. We don't think I shouldn't live that way as a child of God. We're just delaying it. We're just putting it off. We're kicking the can down the road. We're not actually living that way yet. We intend to at some point, some nameless point in the future. I remember even after I gave my life to the Lord, I know I've shared this before, there's always, it, was, it was always as though I was waiting for the next event to happen before I really, I don't know, served the Lord or rejoiced in the Lord or whatever. It was like, okay, when I graduate college, right now I'm just grinding away, I want to graduate. And, and I graduated, and it was always like the next thing. Like, uh, uh, when I get married, when I get married and have a good Christian wife, you know, th then I'll be joyful and, and I'll be relaxed and, and be able to plug in what God wants me to do. There's always the next thing. And the Lord is saying, wake up from the fog, right? Love God today. Rejoice in the Lord today. Serve God today. Find out what his will is for your life today. We always think we can do it next time, some other time. There's no hurry, we think. No hurry at all. The Lord's saying to the believer, two, two things I'm thinking. Either we're going to be raptured, okay, which could happen today, which we've read some scriptures about. Or the Lord's going to call me home individually or you home individually. Maybe neither of those is going to happen today. But both very certainly could happen today. We're going to be with the Lord. To live as Christ, to die as Cain, to, 
came, Paul said to depart and be with Christ is far better. So either of those events, if we're born again, is a wonderful event for us in that sense. It could happen today, either way with the, with the Lord, but I'll also say this, either way, rapture or the Lord calling us home as, as Christians individually, either way our earthly life will be over. You have to agree to that, right? And with it, with our earthly life being over, we say hallelujah, amen, but we also, with our earthly life being over, our opportunity to serve God is over. Our opportunity to win the loss to Christ is over. That's over. Could be your brother, could be your uncle, your dad, your sister, your classmates. Your with with it, that opportunity to share the gospel is over. With it, our earthly life ending, the opportunity to fulfill His will on this earth for my life is over. He saved me for a purpose. Don't forget that. He didn't just save you to bring you to heaven. Hallelujah, we're going to heaven. Amen? Gift of God is eternal life, and we're going to spend eternity with the Lord in heaven. But he saved you and left you and me here for a purpose, and I want that, to, that purpose to be fulfilled for the glory of God through my life. Whatever it is, I want that to be fulfilled through my life. So, when my earthly life is over, my opportunity to share the gospel is over. My opportunity to get something right with God is over. My opportunity to fulfill his will is over. My opportunity to come out of some sin is over. And this isn't so much a message this morning on the rapture as it is a message or a charge to live in light of the rapture. To live by faith very soon in light of the rapture, in light of eternity, in light of the reality that we very soon are going to see the Lord face to face. God just wants it to sink in this morning a little bit for all of us. In light of the fact that our earthly days are indeed numbered by the Lord. It's going to be wonderful to be with the Lord. Don't get me wrong. To depart and be with Christ is far better. But when I'm departing and I'm with Christ in heaven and this body goes into a grave somewhere, my opportunity to serve the Lord and do things that he might have called me to do or has called me to do, that is over. There's not a redo. Now, for a lost person, they die in their sins. It's over. They spend eternity separated from the Lord. But when you look around you and, and even consider your life and your day and your daily routine and the plans and thoughts and everything you have that concerns your life and try to picture it all, all of this, all of it will soon end. All of it. I'm not saying it's worthless. I'm saying it's going to end. It's going to end. And God wants us to, to be wise, wise in our day, wise in our generation. Wherefore he saith, awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that thou walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time. And be not, and understanding what the will of the Lord is, amen? Be wise understanding what the will of the Lord is. I believe fully that that message that, that's quoted from Isaiah, it's, Paul rewrites it in Ephesians, but that is a message in charge to Christians, the people that know the Lord. Wake thou that sleepest. Wake up. Christ is going to give you 
light. See that you walk circumspectly. What does that word mean? It means diligently, perfectly, watching on every hand. You're watching, you're watching, you're watching. A Christian ought to be alert. Christian, and I'm talking about not, not that we never get a good night's sleep. I'm talking about alert, morally, spiritually, tuned into what the will of the Lord is. Alert. We ought to be alert and on guard at all times. That's part of that waking up. All of this is going to end soon. Be wise now and serve the Lord. Be wise, spiritually minded. Be sober-minded. Start running the race that Christ has set before you. Every single person in this room, if you're born again, youngest child in here, Christ has set a race before you. Hebrews chapter 12. He set it before you. He set a race before me. And I'm, if I don't start running it, I can't finish it. I certainly can't finish it with joy. I'm not saying you're not saved. I'm saying a lot of us may not be running the race that the Lord has set before us. Amen? Start running so you can finish. Consider and do what God has called you to do on this earth, in this life, while you're here, while you still can. I'm, I, I mean, we're all excited about going to heaven and being with the Lord. But he sees fit for us now to be on this earth. And he wants us to make the most of our time for his glory on this earth. You say, well, I've wasted so much time. And I would say, who, ha- who hasn't? I've wasted so much time. It's almost pointless at this point in life to start running the race. No, it's not. You start today. If you've got 12 more hours to run it, run the race that God has set before you. Ask him to forgive you for not He will do that. That'll be under the blood of Jesus Christ. I've wasted so much time. I was just in that fog you talked about for so many years of my life. Who hasn't wasted time? God, Ask God to forgive you and then move forward and start running the race that he has set before you. We do that. We do have eternity and we do have eternal life, but we don't have eternal life in this life. Okay. We have eternal life, but we don't have eternity in this life here. I think it was Ari Tori that was quoted in another very simple quote. The simple ones are the best ones. He says, how temporary and short-lived are the pleasures of this life. If we're wise, we'll live for God and for eternity. Simple ones, quotes are the best ones. Amen. We ought to be good stewards of what God has given us, and that includes our time. Good stewards of what God's given us. I'm closing with this, y'all. Just this thought. I believe this is what God would have me to say, but I've said this sermon was sort of a prayer. It was kind of like as I was praying, and God was giving it to me and wrote some of my prayer. Seeing the Lord face to face one day, I don't want to have to this be my prayer. I'm so sorry, Lord. We're raptured in in three seconds from now. Boom. We're standing before the Lord. And we say, I'm sorry, Lord. I thought I had more time. I'm so sorry, Lord. So very sorry. What can I say? It's just going to be, what can I say? I'm sorry. And the Lord is going to say, I redeemed you to myself, didn't I, Randy? 
But say, yes, Lord, you did. I gave you all the time you needed. I gave you all the time you needed to do what I called you to do. What did you do with that time? This is just me writing this out as I was thinking these thoughts. What did you do with it? Why didn't you do what I called you to do? I gave you time. I gave you time to preach my gospel. I gave you time to witness to your friends. I gave you time to develop a prayer life. I gave you time to visit the residents at Williamsburg. I gave you time to start serving in your church. This is just and just gave you time to start tithing. I gave you time to read my word. I gave you time to repent of your sins. I gave you time to be reconciled with your mother. I gave you time to seek my face. I gave you time to grow in grace. I gave you time to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. I gave you time to love your neighbor. I gave you time to pour Christ into your children. I gave, gave you time to bear fruit for my glory. What did you do with it? What did you do with that time that I gave you? I'm going to live in such a way that there's no unfinished business with the Lord. I do believe that's possible, by the way, because when I fail the Lord, I can ask for his forgiveness, and that's cleansed and washed away. I have now, and I have whatever time he gives me going forward on this earth. I have that. And I do believe it's, it's possible to live in light of eternity like that for the glory of God. I know it is because the Apostle Paul says that I finished my course. Fought a good fight. I finished my course. He finished the one he was called to, to do. And we can too by the grace of God. D, you can come. Closing with one scripture. We mentioned the rapture. I believe this, this passage is in light of this, the rapture. I'll just read it to you. First John 2.28 And now little children abide in him that when he shall appear we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. Now the only thing that's going to really make us confident when the Lord comes is going to be the blood of Christ and the righteousness of Christ. That is our righteousness. But I'm talking about personally how I lived my life once I was saved. Not responsible for anything before I was saved. That's under the blood of Jesus. And I'm not responsible for anything now that I've repented of and God's forgiven me and cleansed me. I am responsible right now, today, this morning as we're sitting here, in the days that he gives me ahead. Okay, we are responsible for that. And it is very possible to live in such a way that when the Lord comes and calls us and suddenly we're in the presence of God, just suddenly, that we're not ashamed at his coming. And I just want to encourage you this morning. These altars are open. I think the, the message is pretty clear. The charge from God is pretty clear. If you don't know Christ, today is the time for you to be saved. He's given you today. Isn't that kind of the Lord? He's given you today to be saved. And I want to pray with you. Come tell me. I want to give my life to Christ. Or if you're here today and you're saved and you have procrastinated and put off doing the will of God, ask God's forgiveness, but also ask him for strength. If you're living in a fog and a haze and you're just 
have convinced yourself you have all the time in the world. You don't. You don't have all time in the world. You have now. You have now to serve the Lord. God, I pray you put upon us as a people, God. These at the altar and all of us a sense of, a sense of urgency to not only know the will of God, but to be actively doing the will of God for our lives, God. To live in such a way that we have no regrets. To live in such a way that we don't die with unfinished business for our Savior. We love you this morning, God. Wake us up, Lord. Wake thou that sleepest and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you.